0: Thank you, Pastor Lane. Thank you, again, worship team and our tech crew who always does such a great job for us. Um, be thankful that the conversation about, P- Pastor Lane said, there's really not a lot of songs about time and we, in our prayer before service, and then everybody started launching into to songs about time, and, and I even sang, and so pray for the people in the back who had to, had to be around for that. Um, but yeah, we are back on our time series, and, and I'm, I'm super excited about this. Before I launch in, I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and pray with me for just a minute. Father in heaven, I pray that as you have guided the meditations of my heart this week, so also would you guide the words of my mouth this morning for your glory, and that by a miracle of your spirit, you would take every word and transform it in every ear into the message that you have for every heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we had been in the series about time, and a couple of weeks ago, our Instagram page uh, asked, what's your favorite time travel movie? So uh, somebody uh, responded Interstellar. Okay, remember that. that's kind of time travel. Somebody said The Terminator, if, if, you, if you remember those. Um, so how about you? Let's get some audience participation here. Some, somebody shout out your, your favorite time travel movie. Back to the Future, okay. Okay, yeah, that's on my list. What else? The Time Machine. Fantastic, that's also on my list, and, and that's a short list, so yeah, what else? Age of Adeline, okay, haven't seen that one. Say again. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, yeah, excellent, okay. Um, what else? Another time travel movie. About Time, that's my favorite time travel movie of all time. What, what was there, another one? The Land Before Time. The land before time. Do, they, do they travel in time in that movie, or are they just back in time in that movie? Do they? It's been a long time since I saw that one. Okay, okay, any others? Groundhog Day, Benjamin Button. Okay, I haven't seen Benjamin Button, but Groundhog Day is, I mean, it's sort of reliving the present. I think that counts. Okay. Any, any, anything else? Time Bandits. Yeah. Was that a movie or was that a show? Okay. Yes, I remember that. That was a good one. Okay. Endgame. Okay. Yeah, so Pastor Lane mentioned Endgame, and he's like, particularly when in Endgame, they make fun of other time travel movies, right? <laughs> Like the, the irreverence of other time travel. Okay, okay, that's cool. Yeah, for me, the only ones that, that on my list that y'all haven't mentioned are Star Trek, The Voyage Home, and First Contact, right, So that, that, are, that are more about time. But, but my favorite is definitely About Time. If you haven't seen that one, I was expecting something silly and fun, and then at the end I'm bawling for like 10 minutes. So anyway, that, that, that's a great movie. Okay, um, so, so my, my title for today is The Time Is Now. The time is now, and unofficially, the title is Right Now, which is in honor of the great Van Halen song from 1991, which was the peak of great music in our culture, and if you disagree with me, it may just be because it was the peak of my life. Um, so anyway, and if you're too young to know that song, I'm very, very sorry, because it's fantastic. Well, today, we're going to do a little bit of time travel, because we're going to go out of order uh, with, with a couple of stories in the Bible, and, and, and we're going to start in the book of Acts. So, so I want to dive right into this. We're, uh, we're a couple of years maybe after the resurrection of Jesus. And so far, the gospel, you know, in, in Acts chapter one, verse eight, um, Jesus said, uh, when my spirit comes, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And so over the next couple of chapters, we see the gospel go out to Jerusalem and Judea. In chapter seven or early chapter eight, you see Philip, who is a a deacon, not an apostle, a deacon who shares the gospel in Samaria. So we, we get to that part. And then in this story, we're going to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth. Now, obviously, the gospel has a lot farther to go. But when we get to this story with the Ethiopian eunuch, Ethiopia was considered the ends of the earth for everybody who lived in that part of the world. I mean, that's so far away, and it's, it's so exotic. Um, so, so we're going to get to that. Let's, let's jump right in. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. Everybody say started out. out. So notice that Philip obeyed the angel immediately. Okay, on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandaki, which by the way means queen of the Ethiopians. Now when, when we say Ethiopia, this is not the modern day Ethiopia. This is a kind of a broader region that includes Sudan and Southern Egypt. You really needed to know that. Sorry, nerd moment. Okay, so this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the Spirit told him, "Go to that chariot and stay to that chariot and stay near it." So, so let's talk about the Ethiopian eunuch for, real quick. Scholars say he may or may not have been a, a eunuch proper. That is also a term for somebody who was in a position of high authority um, in in a, a Rome, in a in a court of like a, a royal court, so he's he's like effectively the secretary of the treasury, okay, for the queen of the Ethiopians, so he's he's a big deal, all right, um, and so he's riding in a chariot. Men of, of this much stature don't don't walk and they don't ride horses, okay? They have a chariot pulling them, okay? So Philip ran. Everybody say ran, ran, ran up to the chariot, and they heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? So it, you, this might sound weird, like why was he reading aloud? How did Philip hear him reading? Well, back in those days, paper was very, very expensive, and you didn't have the money to put spaces in between words. So you read aloud so that you could figure out where the word, it, this word ended and that word began. So you, people just never just sat and read. They always read aloud. So that's what, that's what uh, Philip hears. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. This is from Isaiah 53. Of course, it's talking about Jesus. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began, everybody say began. Began Began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch asked, said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? Everybody say, what can stand in the way? Okay. Now, some manuscripts have this extra verse, which is not up here. That adds that Philip said, if you believe in, with all your heart, you may, like you may be baptized. And the eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Okay, that's in, in some manuscripts we have. And so he gave orders to stop the chariot, obviously the Ethiopian, not Philip, because it's not Philip's chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Okay, Th- there's a few important principles I see in this passage for how we live the spirit-led life, okay? One, one of our values at the Life Church is living the spirit-led life. And there's a few principles here that I want us to notice. First of all, spirit-led obedience requires a willingness to do the unexpected, okay? Philip, uh, when, the, when the angel of the Lord tells Philip to go down to the desert road, that's not a road you're supposed to travel in the middle of the day. It's dangerous. It's fine if you're on a chariot and you can outrun all the bad guys, but not just to walk, okay? But Philip obeys, even though there's some danger there. And uh, the next thing is that spirit-led obedience requires a boldness, okay? The Ethiopian eunuch is way above Philip socially and economically, okay? You know how when, when, you're, when you have to talk to somebody who's, like, really important, you get that little bit of nervousness, Right? That's what Philip would have had. But to be obedient to the spirit, he had to proceed anyway. He had to have that boldness. The next thing, and this is, this is my, my main point today, spirit-led obedience requires immediate response. Immediate response. What's our title for today? Right now. Delayed obedience is, is basically just disobedience. Now, so and it, if, if we're going to say that we're, that. That we're going to obey it has to be immediate now i don't want any parents like like elbowing the kids at this moment okay i don't i don't want to see any like you can just be like preach it passed up but say it inside okay like and, and and when you get in the car don't be like did you hear what he said like just 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 thank the lord right okay this importance of immediate obedience okay the ethiopian eunuch understood and he has a much bigger decision to make The Ethiopian eunuch understood that obedience had to be right now, right now, okay? So uh, a few years ago, I I was at work, and I had this this colleague, and she was talking about how she she felt like God was telling her to to give some money to some some people in her small group who were going on a mission trip, and I was like, oh, that's, that's so cool. How did that go? And she's like, how to work. I was like, well, when you gave them the money, were they like all excited and encouraged? And, and she was like, well, I haven't given it to him yet. I'm, I'm still thinking about it. And I was like, oh, okay. And she was like, what? And I was like, do you want, you want buddy at work, David, or you want Pastor David here? And she was like, uh, both, I guess, the Pastor David. I was like, is there really any difference between delayed obedience and disobedience? And she was like, ah, oh, I think you're right. And she pulled out her checkbook and she wrote the check. So the next time she saw him, she'd have it and she could give it to him. Because that's the thing. Obedience requires immediate obedience. The the thing is, we have to give God our yes in advance. And here's what I mean. But before we know what God is asking us to do, we have to give him our yes. Wherever you say, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, whoever you want me to share my faith with, whatever it is that you're asking, you have my yes in advance. This is not easy. This requires a lot of trust, okay? But it's the only way to live a spirit-led life. It could be, and, and, and if we don't do that, if we don't give that yes in advance, then when the direction comes, we, we might let logic take over. You know what I'm talking about? Well, you know, it's just not the right time. You know, I'm just really not ready. I just, I just don't know. And and what I've noticed is that so often when when we're seeking God for direction in our life, hey, what should should I do about my work? What should I do about this relationship? What should I do about this financial decision? I I, I have noticed in my own life that submission precedes direction. Let me say that again. Submission precedes direction. I'm like, okay, God, what should I do? He's like, "Mm mm-hmm. We'll just wait until you're actually ready to do what I ask. When you're actually submitted, then I'll tell you. Because if I tell you now, when you're just weighing your options, that's just going to be confusing, right? But if you give your yes in advance, God, I I really am submitted about where I want to go here. Then our submission proceeds his direction. Spirit-led obedience requires a willingness to do the unexpected. It requires boldness. It requires an immediate response. I was thinking about uh, this need for immediate response this week and so I, I, I texted a, a few friends and family who are way ahead of me in, in their faith journey and I asked them to tell me a story about a time when they had to obey God immediately and if they, if they hadn't obeyed immediately, it just, it just wouldn't have worked out right. Um, and so uh, a good friend of mine, Brady, tells a story about 15 years ago, his, his sister had just died a few months before. He was in a, he was in a bad spot emotionally Um, he, he said, you know, God was trying to, to draw him to some other things, but he just, he was real resistant and he had a lot of stress at work. And one day he was at home and he he was like, his wife's name is Kristen. He said, Kristen, I'm just really not feeling good. Like, like at all. I, I think maybe I need to go to, go to care now. So they went, they went to care now and, and the, the doctor came and she saw his blood pressure, and she saw his, his pulse, his, his, his resting pulse, and, and all this stuff. And she's like, okay, you need to go to the emergency room right now. He was in his early 30s. And, and, and she was like, this, we got to figure out what's wrong with you. And he's like, no, I know exactly what's wrong with me. It's, it's work. It's, it's, it's emotional stress and my, my job. And I just I kind of think maybe I need to be moving on from this job. But he didn't tell her, her all that, but he told Kristen all that on the way home. And then just prayed and said, God, tell me, tell me what to do. And the next day, so he worked for a Fortune 500 company, and he made a lot of money, especially for, for such a young age. Uh, he's, a, he's a tech guy, made, made a lot of money. And they start talking in this meeting about how their, what their, their plans are for this project. And he's like, it was completely unethical, completely unethical. And he just sat back, and he said he had such a peace wash over him, and he said, no, nah, I'm not going to be a part of this. Everybody's like, what? What are you talking about? And he just started telling him, this is unethical. I'm, I think that ethics are important. I'm not, I'm not going to be a part of this. And, and, and I think you guys are wrong to do it. He said the project leader started crying, like, like tearing up at, at, at his, his admonition. And, and he's like, yeah, I'm, I, I think I'm, I'm going to go back to my desk. And he leaves the meeting. So he get, they said, hey, uh, you need to talk to the, the boss's boss, you know, the big boss. And uh, you, need to, you need to drive over to that building so you can meet with her in person. So he gets in his truck, and he starts driving over there, and his engine blows up. Like, not like, but like, stops. Like, his, his engine stops working, and he's broken down on the side of the road. So he has to call the boss's boss's boss and say, hey, by the way, my engine blew. I'm not going to be able to come and meet with you. And she said, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'm just going to lay you off. That was the end of that. So he calls his wife. He tells her. He gets his, gets his truck towed across the city because he worked in well, I won't say where he works because that might give away who he works for. He, he works on the other side of the city, and he gets a he gets a ride home, and he and and he's on the on the road, and his father in law calls him, and he says, "Hey, Brady, uh, how you doing?" He's like, "I'm great, man. I'm excited. You know, why don't we go to Hofbrau tonight? I'm in the mood for a steak." First of all, who's happy when they get when they lose their job, and number two, who's excited and wants to go out for a steak when they just lost their job? I'm thinking the cost of the steak. All right, but he was at such peace. Because he, he held to his principles and, and he knew that it was God's direction because, because he was seeking God for that. Um, here's, here's what I want to say about that. Obedience leads inevitably to peace. Obedience leads inevitably to peace. And especially that peace that surpasses all understanding, which is an eloquent biblical way of saying a peace that makes absolutely no sense. A peace that you can't explain by looking at the circumstances around you. It's a piece that that only God can give, and and we can't explain. By, By way of disclaimer, my official advice is do not quit a job unless you have another job to go to, okay, or your ethics are at stake, or unless God gives you specific, undeniable direction that you have confirmed with godly counsel. And those last two, I've only done each of those once, and I've changed jobs a lot, okay? So so I'll, I'll tell you, Brady never made as much money in, in his life since He's never made as much money as he did working for that Fortune 500 company. But I'll tell you what, he has everything he needs. And he is happier than he's ever been. And he's at peace because he's inside the will of God. And I asked him if it was okay to tell this story. He's like, heck yeah, man. Tell anybody if it'll, if it'll encourage them, okay? All right. And, and One more thing. I promise you, you never have to be afraid to do the right thing. When, 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 it's, when it's a matter of, of principles and right and wrong, you never have to be afraid to do the right thing. When it's a matter of obeying the Spirit, when the Spirit prompts you to do something, you never have to be afraid to do the right thing. It, it, with my kids, they're like, oh, Dad, you're a broken record with that thing, because I always say, you never have to be afraid to do the right thing. If you get in trouble for it, if, if, if it's the right thing. Um. I hope my son doesn't get mad at me for sharing this story. My son was in the the fifth grade. He got into a fight at school. And I got called in and and, and came and sat down, and he was crying. And I said, I just said these words. I said, tell me it was in defense of justice. In other words, it's okay to break the rules if you're doing the right thing. And it's only okay to fight if you're defending justice. And he knew exactly what I meant. And he dropped his head and he said, no, it wasn't. It was his, his pride was hurt and it was selfishness. It had nothing to do with defending justice. You never have to be afraid to do the right thing. You will never, ever regret saying yes to the Spirit's guidance if you obey immediately. And if you're going to respond to God, the only way is immediately, at once, without delay, a theme you're going to see through the passages of Scripture we're looking at today. So here's my question for you. What is God calling you to do today? What does faithful obedience look like to you today? Is it repenting of that destructive behavior that you're not willing to let go of? Is it sharing your faith with boldness and humility? Is it being faithful and wise in your finances? Is it finding a place to serve with your time? Or is it starting some, some new education, some new venture, some new side hustle, some new business that you keep talking yourself out of? The only time to obey God is right now. So, so you know I'm not proof texting. I want to move quickly to another spot in the Bible about 20 years later. And uh, do, can, we, can we pull up the map? This is the Apostle Paul. Remember, he was the guy who made a living out of, uh, out of persecuting Christians, okay, this is the Bible nerd minute, okay? I, I promise we'll, we'll move on to fun stuff in a minute. Okay, so, so Paul is from right here. Can y'all see that? I'll, I'll move around. He's from Tarsus, which is in Cilicia, okay? Israel is down here off the bottom right, south of Syria, okay? So he's been, he's been ministering all through here. He did one, his first missionary journey, and now he's, he's launched into his second missionary journey, and he's ministering all up here. So I'm gonna read this part, and then we're gonna, I'm gonna show you where it is on the map. So, so, so just leave the map up for me, Caleb. Okay. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, okay, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And Asia is kind of this spot right here in the middle that isn't labeled, okay? When they came to the border of Mysia, you see that, and tried to enter into Bithynia, the spirit of Jesus would not allow. Everybody say not allow. Would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. And Troas is right here on the border. Right here, actually. Okay? So they went down, topographically down, to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a... We can put the text up now. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia. Okay? Mas, go back to the map, sorry. Macedonia is over here, this whole region. Okay? He's been doing all of his work over here. But Macedonia is over here. A man of Macedonia in his his vision, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And Paul, after Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once, everybody say at once, once. to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us, Luke is writing, had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, here's what I notice in this text number one, hindrances are always part of the journey, hindrances and obstacles are always part of the journey. And sometimes God provides them to lead us to the right place, right? Paul was, go, was doing what he was told. He was taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, right? But, but there, was this, there were these obstacles and hindrances, not because he was doing the wrong thing, but because God wanted him to go in a different direction. The second thing I notice here is that you, don't, you won't always have clarity when it's time to act. He didn't say where to go in Macedonia. It, just, it was just a Macedonian man saying, come over here. Well, that meant that Paul had to expand his thinking and not just be in, in, in what's modern-day Turkey, but he had to go across the Aegean Sea to what is Macedonia or modern-day Greece. He had, he had to, to think bigger. He, but, but he didn't know where to go exactly. He just knew it was time to head to Macedonia. And the next thing I notice here is that obedience only requires one step. You don't have to know how it's all going to end up or, or the roadmap of all the different places you have to go. Uh, as Ajith Fernando, a, a Bible scholar, said about this story, when we sense that God has spoken, we must respond immediately, as Paul did, and launch out in faith. Spirit-led living kind of goes like this. My wife and I use GPS completely differently, okay? When I, when I, do the, when I put in the directions, I got to see the whole map. I got to see where, where are the turns going to be, how does this fit into the whole Metroplex, all of that. That seems to me is how we want to do life with the Spirit, okay? She, on the other hand, has trust. She does the turn-by-turn directions. And it's, it's all text. I'm like, how can you read all that? Like, like my, my brain can't process all those instructions. She goes, no, I just look at the top one. It just tells me the next thing to do, which is how we're supposed to live our life with being led by the Spirit. We're not always gonna get the whole roadmap, are we? We have to just take it one step at a time. Proverbs sixteen nine says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. The difference is our trust. You know, Paul, when he, was, when he was doing all of this work, sharing the gospel throughout the world, he didn't have in the back of his Bible, maps of Paul's missionary journeys. He didn't know where he was going next. He knew where he'd been, but he didn't know where he was going next. That's the way it is for us. So here's my thought for you. In the presence of roadblocks or in the absence of clarity, take a step, do something, because the only time we have to be obedient is right now. I had a friend who who wanted to start this business and and he had no money. He just had this vision and this excitement of all these things he wanted to do in his business. But the only thing he could do he, he went to the bank account and he went, to the, he went to the bank and he set up a bank account in the name of his business. No money, like he put like, a, like $5 in it, but, but, he, but he had this vision. And, and the one thing he could do today was open the account. He ran out of all of those checks in his business and he doesn't even call his business that anymore. But he kept that one check to remind himself this, this is to remind me that I took a step. And then the vision eventually came to fruition. So for you, open that account, read that article, take a mentor to lunch, get a, get a doing business as for, for the business you have in mind. It, it, you're like, oh, I, I, just, I just can't tithe, like that, that's beyond me. Okay, can, you can give 1%, you can take a step. You, you, can, you can take one step of obedience in that direction, right? Um, I, I have a, a friend who... Um, is, is a very young Christian. I don't know them that well, but I, I ran into them and they drive a really, really, really fancy car. Like this car costs more than I make in a year, okay? And, and I said, I, I just looked at the car and I said, can we just assume that I've said all the preacher things about your fancy car? And they're like, no, no, I wanna hear it. And I just said, really? Like, you know, real, about, your, about your fancy car? Um, but then later that week, I had a dream and in the dream, that person is there in my dream and they said, Man, I just I just can't tithe. I'm like, I'm all I'm all hyped up. Like, I, I'm all like like torqued up. I've I've got all, all these expenses and I can't do it. And I said, can you give 1%? And that that's what I said in the dream. Obedience only requires one step at a time. Okay, one more time travel back. We're gonna go back before Philip and the and the, and the Ethiopian eunuch. We're going back to Matthew, to Mark chapter one. Now, if you are sorting out where you are on this whole faith in Jesus thing then this is the story for you okay we're going to mark chapter 1 this is the very beginning of Jesus's ministry and this is as far as we can tell scholars tell us that mark is the first gospel written and maybe even the first book written in the entire new testament okay and so it's important that the very first thing that we see that Jesus said he says These are the first words ever written down that Jesus said. The time has come. Everybody say, the time has come. The The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The time has come. The gospel of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. And I will make you fish for people. I'm going to completely transform who you are, your vocation. I'm going to transform all of that. And and look at what they did. At once. Everybody say at once. At once once, they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay. Say "Without without delay. He called them. And they left their father Zebedee and the boat and the hired men and followed him. Notice the distinction between these guys who are business owners and the hired men. Okay? This wasn't just a job where you, you do it for a day and you can leave whenever you want. Like we've all had those kinds of jobs. This is their career, this is their family business, this is their livelihood. And he says, I want you to leave all that behind and follow me. And notice the immediacy of their response. How many other people did Jesus call that we never read about because they were like, "Ah, I'm busy. Ah, I gotta, I got something else I gotta do. Actually, I gotta go bury my my father. Let me, let me just wait till my dad dies, and then then I'll be free of entanglements, and then I can follow you." No, they 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 gave everything up. They left everything without delay. They moved on to to what God had called them to do. What did you notice? The time has come at once, without delay. Peter and Andrew and James and John understand that obedience has to be right now. What about you? If you're still figuring out faith, God, the Bible, all of that, and you're feeling drawn to it, and you're feeling drawn to it, I would encourage you to take your cue from the Ethiopian eunuch. He hardly understood anything. But he knew it was time to act, and he walked over and he said, here's water. Here's water. What's stopping me from being baptized? He knew he didn't know everything, but he knew he could learn it later. He knew he could find someone to to explain it to him. If that's where you are, act today. Take your cue from the Ethiopian eunuch. Take your cue from the Apostle Paul. He didn't know what the rest of the journey was going to be like. But he took that first step of obedience. Take your cue from the fishermen. They didn't ask for terms and conditions. They didn't ask for the fine print. They responded to the power of the call because it was Jesus who called. They turned their back on everything to follow Jesus. They never looked back and they never regretted it. Somebody mentioned the time machine. One of my favorite stories of of time travel movies. And in the time machine, the main character, his wife, dies. And so he creates a time machine so that he can go back in time and prevent her death. And he changes all the circumstances. Anybody seen this movie? He changes all the circumstances so so that she won't die. And with a different location and everything, she dies for a different reason. And so he goes back in time again and he keeps going back in time, trying to change the circumstances so that he can change the past. And the whole message of the whole... The whole story is this. You cannot change the past. You only have the present, and you can change the future. What is God calling you to do today? Because the only time to respond is right now. I'm going to invite everyone to join me in this prayer. And if God is calling you to, to join to to follow him for the first time or to take that step of faith and you need somebody to agree with you in prayer, we're gonna have prayer partners up here after the service and, and, and probably during our final song. And I would encourage you to come and, and have somebody agree with you in prayer. And I'm gonna invite everyone to pray this prayer, whether you're, whether it's for the first time, putting your faith in Jesus or, or you're, you're, you've been this a long time and, and you want to commit in faithfulness to him, I wanna invite you to join me in this prayer. Would you bow your heads and repeat after me? Father in heaven, heaven. your word is trustworthy and true. true. I'm sorry for my disobedience. disobedience. And even the times I delayed, I come to you now. I I give you my yes. I want to follow Jesus. I want to to be led by the Spirit. I Spirit. I I want to do things your way. In Jesus' name.